All right. Well, good morning. Emmaus, if you would, take your Bible and open to Acts chapter 1. For those of you who are, who are watching at home, uh, we want you to know that the, the screen and the table being set up, that didn't happen magically. This was us behind the scenes beforehand, uh, but, but here we are showing you a little bit behind the scenes. This morning we are continuing our study in Acts chapter 1, and so whether you're at home opening up your Bible, or if you're here in person opening your Bible to Acts 1, we're talking about this subject of who is God? What does it look like for God to be at work in our world? And before we get to Acts chapter 1, and when I say Acts chapter 1, I was so excited to be back together, we're really just going to cover the whole book of Acts. So this is 28 chapters of Acts in 28 minutes if everything goes right, because I was so excited to be back together. What do we learn from the book of Acts about God's character, about what it looks like for him to look, be at work in, in our world. But before we get there, and we've already pressed in this direction, before we get there, I want you to know that about 10 weeks ago, uh, a couple of weeks, I guess, into the quarantine, as people were talking about the church building reopening, there was this really funny video, this old Chris Farley video, where he does a skit, and he's in his way-too-small jacket, and he's running down the middle of the aisle, and the arms are swinging, and there was this feeling of, man, that's what it's going to be like. And, and I'd even thought about reacting, you know, reenacting that as much as I'm not Chris Farley, just that excitement of being back together. And hear me out on this for just a moment. I, I do feel that sense of excitement and the joy to be together, but I also feel a weight this morning that I, I didn't expect to feel uh, this morning. Um. A weight of our friends who we wish were with us this morning, but, but just aren't able to be because they're just uncomfortable being here, and understandably so. Um, and a weight of a world with so much grief and, and pain and suffering uh, right now. And so, as much as I love that Chris Farley video, uh, running down the aisle and joking this morning just, just didn't seem right. Uh, what seemed right was praising together and, and gathering around the word of God. And, and what seemed right was praying together. And so we are gonna, we're going to pray together the best way we know how in the midst of a lot of weight and a, and a lot of brokenness in, in our world. And, and like Jaron said, in our own hearts, in our homes, in our communities. And so what I'd like to do right now is lead us in, in a time of prayer uh, I remember the little country Southern Baptist church I grew up in. Every week there was a pastoral prayer. And as a kid, you're like, whew, seven, eight, nine minutes into the pastoral prayer. Um, those, those old guys, they could pray at the time of pastoral prayer. But we need pastoral prayer right now. We need churches that pray. We need people to come together at, at moments like this. And so uh, the best way we know how, the best way we understand right now, uh, we're going to spend some time in prayer right now. And then we're going to look at the book of Acts and ask that question, what does it look like for God to be at work in the world? So if you would, Emmaus, whether you're at home or whether you're gathered here, will you pray with me right now as we seek the Lord together? Father, this morning, we are broken and humbled before you. God, no matter the circumstances in our own lives, God, we, we are broken. And, and God, we mourn with those who mourn. And Father, we want to say this morning, God, that we mourn with our black friends and neighbors, God, who are dealing with frustration and fear. God, we mourn the violence and chaos in our country. God, we mourn this pandemic and, and the loss of life. 
Not to mention the anxiety and the loss of income and the loss of businesses. God, the loss that our little kids and teenagers have felt over the last few months, God, we mourn for them. God, we mourn the pain that our Asian friends and neighbors have faced as they've been spoken about and their homelands have been spoken about. God, we mourn the lack of trust in our world. Father, the deception that we know that comes from the evil one. And God, we say with the psalmist, how long, O Lord? (laughs) How long? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. God, so many hearts are heavy. We know people are tired and exhausted. But God, remind us this morning that we do not mourn as those who have no hope. God, we mourn, but we mourn as those who look to the hope of the cross. And God, we mourn as those who look to the power of the resurrection. And God, help us not to grow weary in doing good. God, help us not to stop seeking the good of the widow and the orphan and the oppressed. God, forgive us when we have not shown compassion to those around us. God, forgive us when we have not listened well to people who are hurting. God, forgive me for times of apathy. God, where I just haven't cared enough for people around me. God, I pray that we would not seek our own interests, but the interests of others, God, that we would follow the pattern of your son, Jesus. And God, this morning, we pray for the protection of our law enforcement and first responders. God, we feel the weight of that in our church family. God, we pray for their families, God, who know a type of fear and uncertainty that I don't know anything about. But God, we pray that they would have wisdom and courage to know what it looks like to protect and serve. And God, we pray, we pray with 1 Timothy 2 for our political leaders and those in places of authority. God, that they would have humility and maturity and wisdom during this time. God, that according to Romans 14, that they would punish those who do evil and that they would support what is good and right in your eyes. And God, on this Pentecost Sunday, we are desperately in need of the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we pray that you would pour out your Spirit upon us, God. The Spirit who convicts the world of sin, the Spirit who transforms life, the Spirit who comforts and encourages your people, God. The Holy Spirit who draws your people together. God, we are in need of spiritual renewal and revival that comes only from you, And God, we are desperate for that this morning. And Father, we remember that Jesus is our peace. That he is the one who in his flesh broke down the dividing wall of hostility. In him we find hope and peace and salvation. And so God, we cry out to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pretend I didn't rub my nose right there. But. Let me show you an opening slide here as we think about this question of, of who is God. Kind of recapping where we've been. What do we mean when we ask this question, who is God? When we speak of God, we are speaking of God as Trinity. One God, 
three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We don't want to lose that. That's not an embarrassing piece of Christian doctrine. We said to the side, that's our hope. That's the God who's revealed to us in his word. What do we know about this God? This God who is eternally giving and unchangeably good. This God who created all things and didn't just leave his creation alone, but spoke into creation so we would respond to him in prayer and praise. And then here's where we are this morning in this journey. The God who continues to work in the world. The big word related to this is the word providence. And when you get into providence, you get into a lot of different theological categories regarding God's sovereignty and God's miracles and God's work in the world. There's a lot of places you can go with that. But when you hear this idea this morning, what we are talking about is we are talking about God's ongoing work in the world. We don't believe that God created everything and then just stepped back. There was this heresy that went around for some time, and it's related to certain types of pagan religion. It's called deism, this idea that God was a watchmaker who just created all things and stepped back, and the world just kind of runs as it runs. We don't believe in that. And we also don't believe that we're puppets. We don't believe in determinism. We believe in a God who is actively involved in the world among his people. And the question is, what does that look like? Well, what it looks like is the book of Acts. The best place I know to take you is the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 6. Acts 1, 6, after the resurrection of, the G, uh, of Jesus, preparing for his ascension, says this. So when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will, at, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Okay, just a quick stop there to say if we ever needed that word, we need it in 2020. Uh, the temptation for a chart, the temptation for a timeline, the temptation to nail down a time or a date, explicitly, directly in the word of God, he says, that is not your concern. That is not your focus at this point. Yes, God is going to make all things right. Yes, he is going to destroy sin and evil. Yes, he is going to overcome death forever. Yes, but the time and season for that to come to completion is not for you to know. But here is what you're supposed to know. Here's what you give your attention to. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come up on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Church, if we're going to give ourselves to something... We don't give ourselves to speculation, we give ourselves to mission. And the mission we have been given is laid out right here, that we would be witnesses to the good news of Jesus Christ, and that would happen all over the world. That there's no barrier that would stop the spread of the gospel. Now, as this story continues, you get into chapter 2, and on Pentecost Sunday, I want us to look at Acts chapter 2. Look at these verses to see what it looked like in the book of Acts for God to be at work in the world. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. We've seen this all over the Old Testament about the work of God's Spirit, this power of wind, the power of a breath, this rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tons of fire, verse 3, appeared to them. The Holy Spirit and wind and fire. This lights up the Old Testament for us about the work of God among his people. That he comes in fire here. A fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens when they were filled with the Holy Spirit? They began to speak. They began to speak to this in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As there were people from all over the world gathered here, those people were able to hear in their own language the good news of Jesus. And what happens in Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost is Peter preaches this famous sermon of the good news of Jesus being the Messiah of the world, the fulfillment of God's plans for his people. What happens after he preaches? Well, you go down to chapter 2, verse 41. And those who received Peter's word, Acts 2, 41, those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And then look at this beautiful picture of the church starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. What happened at Pentecost? The church was established and strengthened, and the word of God continued to go out. When this whole pandemic, quarantine situation started, um, and and hear me clearly, I don't mean to over-spiritualize or say in a sense of like, God said me to tell you, told me to tell you, but what I felt like God gave me, I felt like God gave me two phrases that I have prayed over and over and over for Emmaus. And the two phrases were, God, strengthen our church and advance the gospel. In the middle of this quarantine, in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of all the craziness that 2020 has brought, God, strengthen your church and advance the gospel. What happened at Pentecost? The church was strengthened and the gospel was advanced. What happens when God is at work in the world? The church is strengthened and the gospel is advanced. This is the story of the book of Acts. Let me give you a quick overview of the way that the book of Acts works early on. If you're trying to summarize Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it's the spread of the gospel through the internal growth, so so the internal strengthening of the church, the church grows stronger together, and the external church of the growth of the church, that the church grows out into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So, so through the gospel, the church grows stronger inside and then goes out, yes, up and out. This is Emmaus all over it here. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the church never grows apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. If you see a church growing apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, That's a club that's adding members to itself. That's not the work of the church. The church grows and spreads by the power of the Holy Spirit. Against what could stop this? Internal disunity and external opposition. If you need a filter to read the book of Acts in your personal Bible reading, what you do is you read the book of Acts in your personal Bible reading is you look for what internally to the church could have stopped the spread of the gospel, or we say stop, could have slowed it down, could have caused problems for the church, and what type of external 
opposition were they facing? Governmental opposition, opposition from circumstances in the world. So many times, what are we tripped up by? Things that happen on the inside, arguments that break out on the inside. You read the book of Acts and you see that over and over again. What else can stop or slow down the spread of the gospel? Things that come on the church from the outside, things that we didn't necessarily bring upon ourselves, but we face, we find ourselves facing. And you find that all throughout the book of Acts. Now in chapter 9, you start to see a very slight transition that happens from chapter 9 to chapter 26. Because in chapter 9, you find this very definite move of the gospel to the Gentiles. And that move to the Gentiles is triggered by the Apostle Paul, the raising up of the Apostle Paul, and by a change in heart for Peter, one of the early leaders of the church. And so from chapter 9 to chapter 26, the gospel advances. The church grows internally. There's opposition that happens, but you see the plans of God coming to fulfillment. And then something extremely strange happens. When you get to Acts chapter 27 and 28, you get to the end of this book, and Luke has presented this book to us, presented the spread of the gospel, and then he does something that should strike you as very strange. He spends two chapters on Paul's voyage to get from Caesarea to Rome. Paul has made an appeal to the emperor, and so he's going to go from Caesarea to Rome, and Luke spends two chapters talking about this journey to get Paul from Caesarea to Rome. He talks about the storm that they face. He talks about Paul receiving this divine vision, but also Paul telling the sailors, hey guys, you, you need to eat something, and you need to grab onto a plank when the ship goes down. If you can't swim very well, you need to do these things. And then they shipwreck on Malta. Paul gets bit with a snake, my least favorite story in the whole Bible. <laughs> he gets bit by a snake there on, on Malta, shakes it off, everything is co completely fine. I still haven't recovered from, from when Amanda and I two days ago saw a snake around our little neighborhood pond. Um, so we've altered our course that we walk a little bit for my own personal sanity. Uh, but Paul shakes off this snake at Malta, life's okay, he moves on. He does miracles there. Ultimately, he finds himself getting to Rome. And then watch how the book of Acts ends. This is incredible how Luke does this at the end of the gospel, or end, end of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28, verse 30. Paul lived there in Rome two whole years at his own expense, and he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without, in, without hindrance. Don't miss how the close of the book of Acts holds the whole book together. What did we say the book of Acts was about? It was about God being at work to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit against all opposition. And when you get to the very end, what is Paul doing? He despite government opposition, continues to proclaim the kingdom of God and teach about the Lord Jesus Christ, and he does this with boldness, and he does it without hindrance. This is Luke's way, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to say, don't worry, the gospel is going to keep going. Don't worry, no matter what you face, no matter what opposition might come, this is not going to stop. It's going to keep going. But why does he use two chapters to take Paul on this journey? Well, it's the same reason that he takes his people to Egypt in the Old Testament and then takes them through the wilderness 
Because sometimes God has to take us through things to take us to places. The providence of God is that he takes us through to take us to. And what I want us to hear this morning, and what I want us to know to be true about God's work in the world, and what I want you to know to be true about what everything we're facing in the world right now, is God takes us through to take us to. And for just a few minutes, I want to break that down so there's not confusion or misunderstanding about what that means. So let's, let's take the first part of it first, that, that God takes us through. In that statement, you need to hear relationship before reasons. Here's what I mean by this. Here's what I, we have to be so careful at this point. If you have someone in your life who is struggling with really deep pain and difficulty, and you walk up to him and say, oh, honey, don't worry. God's got his reasons for that. In that statement that might be absolutely true, you can hurt someone spiritually in a way that you didn't mean to with that statement because God has his reasons before that person really understands who God is and what it means for him to be at work in their life can sound really cold in a way that you didn't necessarily mean that up front. Because when you're in the middle of a situation, do you know what you really need somebody to do? You need somebody to cry with you. You need somebody to listen to you. You need somebody to come alongside and put their arm around your soldier and say, shoulder and say, I'm with you. I'm sorry what you're facing in your family. I'm sorry what you're facing in the world. I'm sorry what you're facing at work. But you're, you're not alone. And relationship before reason says, I want you to know the God who is taking you through these things. The God who never tempts us to evil, the God who is eternally giving and unchangeably good, this Father who loves you as a good and loving Father, this God of Psalm 23 that when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, he's right there with you. <laughs> you do not have to be afraid. This Jesus who suffered for you, who intercedes for you, when you talk about the problem of evil in the world, how can you believe in a good God when there's so much evil in the world? I have no idea how to answer that question apart from the cross of Jesus. If there's no cross, if there is no Jesus taking on our sin, taking on our pain, suffering in our place, I don't know how to make sense of suffering in the world. But the cross gives us a place to look to say that he has overcome those things. And the Holy Spirit who encourages us and comforts us and walks with us, the gift of friends, the gift of a church, the gift of people around us, where we can say, yeah, God does take us through these things. We go through these things. He gives and takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. God takes us through things. Sometimes you have to go, you guys know how this works in life. You could give me a hundred illustrations of this. Sometimes in life, you have to go to point B to get to point C. You guys could tell me a hundred ways this has happened in your life where God has taken you to a particular point, but you would have never gotten to that point had you not gone from A to B to C to get there. God takes us through things to get us to where he wants us to go. Now the question is, where does God want to take us to? Well, he wants to take you to two places. He wants to take you to a stronger church and a gospel that keeps advancing. Let's, let's talk about the first part of this. God takes us through things in order to strengthen your faith, in order to strengthen his church. The first thing is salvation and spiritual growth. Hear me out on this, and I don't want this to come across callously because I don't mean it to. God never wastes an experience in our lives. 
God never wastes an experience in our lives. He uses all things to conform us to the image of Christ. He's not the author of evil. He does not tempt us to sin, but he uses all things to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus. That through the things we experience, we are led to salvation. Through the things we experience, we are led to spiritual growth. And as we do that, when we go through things in life, you know what it develops? It develops an eternal perspective, an eternal hope, where we say that what we are facing right now is not the end of the story. That what we are facing right now is not going to define us. God takes us through these things to take us to an eternity where there's no crying, no pain, no death, no suffering. Number three, God takes us through things to make us a people of praise and prayer. Coming out of what we've come out of over the last two and a half months, if there's a hope for our church, it's God grow us in praise and grow us in prayer. How does God strengthen this church when we say, God, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn? Let us open ourselves up to one another in praise and prayer because of what we've gone through. Number four, it draws us to internal unity. You know this in your marriage. You know this in your family. You know this in your job. When trouble comes, it can either drive you apart or it can drive you closer together. When you go through things with other people, it can either drive you apart or it can bring you closer together. Sports teams, music clubs, job places, your home, how do you come closer together? You come closer together when you go through things together. How does God draw his church closer together when we go through things together? Which means we have to go through things together. We have, to, we have to stay in the game with one another. We have to say, God, we're going to be people who go through things, not around them. We're going to be people who take on life head on and not look for the easy path. Because we believe that when we go through things, you make us stronger in Christ and you draw us closer together. And you teach us what it means to love one another by meeting needs. When you look at the book of Acts, when they go through difficulties, it's an opportunity to love one another. My hope for some of the things we've faced over the last few weeks, and we've seen this on display, is God, this is not just an interruption so we can get back to normal. God, this is an opportunity for the church to be the church. This is an opportunity for you to bring us together, for you to show us what it looks like tangibly to love one another. God takes us through things in order to strengthen the church. And then, no surprise, you could write the next slide, you know what's coming. God takes us through things to advance the gospel. God, why is this happening? Why is this situation happening? Why are we facing this? Because it's an opportunity to proclaim and display Jesus. It's an opportunity for the gospel to advance. Remember how the book of Acts ends? Preaching and teaching with all boldness and without hindrance. That's Luke's way in the New Testament of saying, here you go. You get to do this now. This is the open door that's been given to the church for thousands of years. This is our opportunity. God takes us through things in order to strengthen the church and advance the gospel. Emmaus, that's what I prayed for you for 10 weeks now. God, you're going to take us through this, and on the other side, our goal is not to get back to normal. Our goal is to be stronger, loving one another, and to make sure the gospel goes forward like it never has before. Let me give you a chance for personal reflection before we, before we wrap up here. 
two questions to think about at the end. What is God taking you through, and what is God taking you to? You, right there in your home, in your own life, what are you going through right now that you said, I would have never imagined I would have to go through this. I never imagined this for my family. I never imagined this for my business. I never imagined this for my friends. I never imagined this for our city or our country. What are you going through right now? And the question you have to ask yourself is, do I believe that God is actively at work in this? Do I believe that God is actively at work in this? And then the second question you have to ask yourself is, God, what are you taking me to? What do you want to do through this situation that would have never been able to happen had we not gone through this? What are you taking me through and what are you taking me to? One of the best ways that you can share the gospel with your neighbors and your friends, I know it can be awkward to have spiritual conversations, I know that can be hard, one of the simplest ways you can do that is just talk as if God is really involved in your life. If we just have conversations, if we just, not in an overly spiritual way, not in a holier than that way, if you just have conversations in your life that sound as if you believe God is at work in your life, God will open up opportunities that go far beyond anything we could ever imagine. Because we believe that he is eternally giving and unchangeably good. We believe he's created, we believe he's spoken, and we believe he is at work right now. Pentecost 2020, doing things that go beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. And so what I want us to do as a church right now, I want us to make that commitment together through prayer. And then after we do that, David and Crystal and Jaron are going to come back and they're going to lead us back through that song, Graves to Gardens. And as they do, as they've seen, that's our cue to dismiss so we can prepare for the next service. But as you dismiss, don't leave the property too fast. Find people to encourage. Find people to have prayer and spiritual conversations with. Go out believing, God, you're at work to strengthen your church and advance the gospel. Let's pray together right now. Father, we want to speak and live and praise and pray as if we believe you're at work because we believe you are. And our biblical foundation for that is the book of Acts this morning. God, we thank you. We thank you, God, for the message of the book of Acts. We thank you that it's not our job or our calling to speculate on when the end of all things will happen, but it is our job and our calling to be on mission, to share the good news of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, right now, whether we are sitting at home watching or whether we're in this room, God, we make the same pledge together. God, we trust you. We trust that you are at work. God, that you take us through things. You take us through illness. You take us through family problems. You take us through all kinds of hurts in the world. But God, you do that as a God who is with us, not a God who is far away. You do that as a loving Father. You do that as the one who took our sin and our pain on the cross. You do that as the Holy Spirit who is right with us. And God, you are leading us to a future that we would never be able to get to otherwise. God, strengthen your church and advance the gospel and do that in a way that only you get the glory for it. And so, Father, we give ourselves to you right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen.